Good morning, Arbor. Good to be here with you. My name is Scott. I'm one of the elders here at church. If you're new here, thank you for being here with us today. I can't just gloss over what um, Ryan shared with us about your giving and your gift. That, that is above and beyond. I just want to give God glory in that again and also give you just recognition of your faithfulness. Because can we just thank God for that again of what you did with giving and supporting the ministry of Arbor? That is amazing. Now, right next to that, I have to forgive our friend Ryan for what he's wearing today. Um, you know, if Ryan's in the house, I have, a, I have a little bit, I don't know if we're supposed to bet and promote betting here, Ryan, but here's the deal I'll make with you, all right, if you're, if you're up for it. Next Sunday, whoever's victorious wears the other team's jersey. So I will find a Michigan thing, the wear. If, I, if you want me to try to squeeze into that little child shirt you're wearing... <laughs> I know you're much lighter and thinner than me, all right? But if you need something like that, you know, but I got plenty of Husky gear that we can find for you to wear. So you think about it, see how God moves you through this message, but I'm confident in our Huskies that you will be bowed down to Washington come next Sunday, all right? So it's a big, big weekend in Seattle, you know? I mean, we also got the Seahawks playing today, and I've got this childhood-like conflict in me because my adult life, I've been cheering for the Seahawks. My childhood life, I spent cheering for the Bears, and ironically, we need the Bears to win today along with the Seahawks win to get us into the playoffs, which I don't know if that really means much this year, but that's just the way we're going. So it's a big sports weekend in Seattle, so all of that's fun, isn't it? So, Ryan, we'll see if you're willing to take that challenge on. <laughs> hey, we spent December looking through the theme of our ever-present God. Ryan did a phenomenal series teaching us that God is with us in the valley, in the wilderness, in the storm, and then culminating that God is so with us, he came and was born in a manger in human flesh to be among us, live among us, and then he was crucified among us, only to rise and live again today in eternity, but is still with us. And I want to carry that theme forward into today's message, but kind of center it around this, this time of year, because, you know, this is the year when people start to set these New Year resolutions. I'm not a big New Year resolution guy, I'll just tell you, you know, I, I keep the same things every year, eat healthy, you know, um, stay in shape, and be adventurous. A simple man, simple goals, I just try to do that all year, but I truly admire those of you who are like more reflective and more thoughtful about like, here's something I'm going to do this year. I want to do this. I want to stop this. I want to gain this. I want to get rid of this. I want to take this on. I want to not take that on. All these things that you're able to tackle and put down as a New Year's resolution, nothing wrong with that. I admire you. What's interesting about research around New Year's resolutions is we're not very good at them. Not at all. We have all this self-reliance and energy that I'm going to do this, I can do this, and we start, and within the first week or month, it's like, well, what was my resolution again? What's happening? And it's because we do this self-reliance that I can do this, and there's nothing wrong with that. I applaud self-reliance and resiliency and determination and focus, but there's some interesting facts about resolutions. Let's look at this. In 2024, the Forbes Health One poll they do every year stated this. Here's the top five answers on the board for resolutions. Let's, in fact, let me, before I read them, let's just see if you can guess them. What do you think the top five resolutions are that come up each year for this year? Just shout some out. Lose weight. 
Okay, all right, that's on there. This one is improve. Lose weight is on there. What else? Exercise. Exercise. Fitness is number one. Fitness is number one. What's another one? Don't you? That one actually is not on there. (laughs) Nowhere. In fact, I did look for that one. It's only 3% of people that decide to do that. That's a sign of the times. Come on, let's not get crazy now. Don't go off the deep end with this. All right? The second one is improve my finances. All right? The third one, which has increased over the last few years, is improve my mental health. State of affairs in our country and where we're at today. Lose weight, we said, and improve diet, which probably goes along, unfortunately, with losing weight. You are what you eat, and I don't like to say that because right now I'm feeling like a big sugar cookie after the holidays, all right? Here's what's interesting, though. Listen to this. Only 20% of respondents say they will keep themselves accountable to stick to their resolution. I, that is down. I looked at last year, down from 77% who last year said, I can do this. Apparently, 50% of it said, ah, I'm not very good at making myself do what I say I'm going to do. Now, along with the self-reliance, 50% of us say, but I'm going to rely on something else to keep me accountable. But you know what it is? It's an app. Not a person, not a group, not people. It's an app. You know, a diet app, a finance app, an exercise app, a, a calorie counter app. So we recognize that we need to rely on something to help us with these resolutions that we make. But isn't it interesting how it's like an app, a technical solution? In leadership, we talk about technical solutions and adaptive solutions. Technical solutions are these like solutions we come up with in the moment that get quick, quick, quick results but the proof is they don't last long. They drop right back off. It's kind of like when you're driving your car with your kids. I said, be quiet now or we're not going to Disneyland. That never happens. And the kids get quiet. But five minutes later, somebody reaches across the line in the car and touches their their brother or sister, and you're right back at That technical solution of a threat didn't happen for very long. Adaptive solution is more where you step in and figure out how do we change the culture? How do we address the hearts and minds of what's going wrong here and dig in that way? And it takes longer and it's messier. It's like a forward, but you end up with long-term results in relationships. So resolutions are like this quick technical thing that we dive into. And we recognize we're not very good at keeping them ourselves, so we do need to rely on others or other things. And apparently apps are more important than people these days, and that's what people are relying on. My thought today is this. As I was wrapping up last year and doing a lot of thinking is, how much do I rely on others, God, schedule, calendar, finances to make sure I'm living a fulfilled life? And it made me think of these New Year's resolutions and what we're looking at. So what I want to do is ask us today, where are we seeking help? Because we all need help. Lord knows I need help every day in my life. Where are we seeking help? And I want to step back into the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'll give you some background here. The Ark of the Covenant had been stolen from Israel years before. It had ended up in the hands of the Philistines. And the Philistines were having trouble with this Ark of the Covenant because wherever they placed it, you can read this in the first four chapters of um, 1 Samuel, it brought calamity. Anywhere they put the covenant, plague, sickness, discord, wars, um, poverty, like came in, they moved it to three different cities. And finally, after like seven years, like we got to get like seven months, they said, we got to get rid of this thing. So they returned it to Israel and Israel had gotten the Ark of the Covenant back. 
And they had taken it to Kiriath-Jerim and placed it there. And with this came this revelation to them of, wow, we have not been living for God. And Samuel, their prophet and judge, came to them and said, you need to turn your hearts back to God. The Ark of the Covenant has come home. Or you too will face the same calamities our countries around us did when they took the Ark. Because what you're going to find out is that help from God does come with a heart for God. Help from God does come from a heart for God. And so they brought it back, and they did what they always do. They burned down the altars for the false gods, tore down their idols, burned the idols, melted them, took down the Asher poles and the Festivus poles, whatever they used back then. That's a Seinfeld ref, so for some of you there. Whatever it is they did for the false gods, and they got rid of them all. And they set this resolution. We're done with false gods and idols. We're coming to God. And as they gathered, all right, the Philistines heard about this and said, ha, they think they've got it together. We're going to go attack them. So the Philistines gathered in a town just across the way from them in this valley and decided to attack them, and the Israelites freaked out. And they did what they do. They ran to their prophet and their judge and said, beseech God on our behalf. Intercede for us with God that we will be saved. So Samuel did that. He'd offered a sacrifice. They went into battle, and here's how they won. It's wild. God did this huge thunderclap. Now, I don't know if you know anything about thunderclaps and lightning. I've had two close experiences with them, but it can rattle you bad if you're around it. My first one was in college. We're all out in the um, patio, the deck, like the deck of the dormitory, overlooking this thunderstorm and lightning storm that's going out in Ohio. Well, Midwest has got some wild thunderstorms. And we're standing there watching this. No, we're not taking pictures because we didn't have phones that did that back then. We're actually just watching it. And all of a sudden... <laughs> Imagine that world, children, all right? And we're standing, and all of a sudden, I, don't, I can't even say we saw it happen. It just happened, this loud explosion and sparks everywhere. A lightning bolt had hit the gutter of the building right like 10 feet from us and traveled down, and we're all holding on to the metal railing. And two guys got blown backwards. And I'm telling you, in that moment, all right, we all had to change our shorts is all I'm going to say. It was like startling and rattling and bright lights. And you, we were like all stunned for a few moments. It was like, dis, it was like a, my second one. We're in Montana and I'm taking these camp counselors up to the top of the mountain before camp starts to experience the outdoors and where we're going. And we get up there and I see these black clouds off in the distance. I'm like, whew, we better start thinking about getting off of here. And the black clouds are getting closer. And it, we're about 10,000 feet at the peak of this mountain. And all of a sudden, my hair starts standing up. And I look over at one of our counselors, and her hair is standing up on end. Now, I don't know if you've been at a peak where all this static electricity is starting to build around you, but it's generally a signal to get, get off the mountain now. That's really what it's saying. So I'm like, we need to get off the mountain now, and boom, this thunderclap just came out of nowhere. That got everybody's attention. And as we're going down the mountain, we'd gotten about 1,000 to 1,500 feet off the peak, a lightning bolt, bam, hit the top of that mountain. That got everybody moving faster. <laughs> so I want to share that to say this. Hopefully God doesn't need a thunderclap or a lightning bolt today to get your attention. But he did that, and it rattled the Philistines so much, they couldn't even figure out where they were, what they're doing, and Israel routed them. And he gave them victory. What I want to say is, I want to live a life where it doesn't always take a lightning bolt or a thunderclap for me to rely on God, for me to go seek God for help. He's given them to me in my life at times. I'm grateful for them, 
but I'd rather not have to have those be the, be the antecedent to me going to God. So to commemorate this great victory, Samuel got them together, and he found this big stone. And we picked the story up in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Samuel took a stone and placed it between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, stone of help, saying, up to here the Lord has helped us. Other translations say up till now, thus far, hitherto, if you go back to the King James, if you're a King James person, but up to here the Lord has helped us. God, I pray as we jump into this passage, Lord, and look more at this, that you would move me out of the way. You know I got notes here, God. You know I've got things in my mind I want to say, but I pray that you would just move me out of the way, that you'd give us ears to hear, hearts to listen, and feet and hands to go out and serve you, Jesus. Take your word today and say what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does this mean for us today? You know, as we enter this new year, I believe it's important for us for to continue to think about how can we continue to grow and develop, not just personally, but also spiritually. Just as the Israelites struggled to remain faithful to God, we too are going to struggle. We're not, it's easy to look back and blame the Israelites for how much they wandered off, but we are just as much a wandering generation as they were. And then what do we do with this Ebenezer, this stone of help that they set up as a reminder that up to here, God has helped us? What does that up to here mean? I've had it up to here, all right, from one of my favorite movies. Look up here, look up here, all right? Does it mean, hey, get up here now? That doesn't always sound good when someone says that. What does it mean up to here? So I want to delve into that a little bit, and what does it mean to up to here and how God is here to help us? Up to here presents an interesting perspective of looking at God and his relationship not only to Israel, but us as well. At this point in time, Israel had a generations of God helping them, protection, deliverance, forgiveness, redemption, victories, prosperity, relationships. Yet they continued to struggle in their commitment and resolution to serve and worship only God. They were relying on themselves and not on the rock, the stone, the God that helps them. The Ebenezer stone was placed halfway, this is important, between Mizpah and Shin. Mizpah is where Samuel stayed and prayed in Mizpah. Shin is where the Philistines gathered to attack. This is important to think about as we go through this today. Shin is where the Israelites then went to engage in the battle. I think this serves as a significant reminder that God helps us, but we need to be active. We can pray like it's all up to God, but we need to act like it's all up to us. Samuel stayed and prayed. The warriors went and fought. And in the fighting, God gives victory. God helps us when our heart is with God. Up to here is a call to the past, the present, and the future promise that God is with us and he will help us. Up to here is a call to the past, the present, and the future promise that God is with us and he will help us. The past. The phrase up to here is like a hand pointing in the direction of the past. 20 years or 70 years and still up to here, the Lord has helped us. 
through poverty, wealth, sickness, health, loss, whatever you've gone through, whatever Israel went through, whatever Paul and Peter and your families before you went through, if they had a heart for God, God helps them. And oftentimes, God helps those who don't have a heart for them. But his goal is to bring their heart to him. God helps us. Till now, the Lord has helped us. We love to look back down the past like this arbor of trees, if you've ever seen a really long driveway that's got the trees that have grown over it, or if you've been to the quad at UW, sorry, just had to throw that out there again, when the cherry trees are in blossom and you look down that sidewalk, of, how many know what I'm talking to? I don't think they have those in Michigan. <laughs> they got some shrubberies that grow up here and there and things like that. All right. As we look down like that beautiful arbor, can you picture it there way down? And we walk through and we turn around and we look back and you can like see the sunlight at the end of it. It's like this reminder of what the trees that have grown up and over you. And in life, our past can serve as a reminder of God's love, mercy, grace, and protection over us. I had preached once way back um, many years ago about arbor, about all of that creates this arbor of God's love and faithfulness to us. And we love to look back on that, yet we often forget it in the moment of when we're scared. Philippians 4, 12 through 13 tells us, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I, Paul, have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul was able to look at his past, all the evil he had done, all the hurt he had caused, all the pain that had come to him, all the false accusations. And he says, you know how I find help in God now? Because I see how he helped me in the past. Many of you know my story that I, I, I ended up going through a divorce while I was in ministry. One of the worst points of my life. And for those of you who are going through that, I, 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 my heart breaks for you. I understand what that's like. But I'm telling you right now, in those, in those three or four years walking through some of the darkest times of my life, I would not have made it without others that came alongside me. I would not have been able to do it. But more importantly, somehow, some way, I clawed my way daily back to trying to believe in God that he had a purpose for all of this. While he hated it, I had to believe this too you will take me through. And there was nothing wonderful. I'm not standing up here bragging. I was broken. I was angry. I was mad. I had some really drag out fights with God. You think Jacob wrestled with God? Man, I was fist pumping God. I am serious. It was hard, devastating. But as I looked back through the history of the Bible, as I looked back through my own life up to that point, I could find markers. I could find Ebenezer stones that reminded me God helps us. And you can either use your past to be bitter, or you can use your past as a reminder of betterness with God. Because maybe not so much in your life, but in lives of others, there are reminders that God is faithful. God wants to help us. And reminder of the cross is he helped us more than anything else we ever needed. He sent his son. He died. He rose again. God wants to help. He wants those resolutions to be rooted in him and us to rely on him. The past provides confidence and assurance in a relationship with God 
that he will help us. It gave Paul confidence and assurance that with his strength, this too shall pass. I will get through this. I will succeed. I will be strong. The pastor is a reminder of God's promise to help us. The present up to here. The words up to here are for our present as well, not just our past. All right? We are not yet at the end, and we're like in this middle somewhere. Some of us may be closer to the end. Some of us may be closer to the beginning. Some of us find a smack dab in the middle. But we're still fighting all the same temptations, disappointments, hurts, frustrations, joy, success, disappointments. They're all going on in our lives right now. But even now, even now, we must not just be self-reliant. When I went on a mission trip once with some youth kids, we went down in Nicaragua. And when we were in Nicaragua, one of our opportunities down there was to go out into the markets and get to know people and share with them about these dental clinics that we are setting up around Managua and other parts of Nicaragua for people to come get free dental care. And one day I'm in the market and we had translators with us because as much as I think my Spanish is great, it's not. And we're walking around and I got really intrigued in the market. I love it. There's so many cool things in there. Before I knew it, I'd lost the group and, and I was in charge of the group. <laughs> That just gives you some insight. Yes, send your kid to my youth group. I'll lose them in Nicaragua. All right? They won't lose me. I'll lose them. All right? And I got lost in the market. And I'm walking around. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going down this aisle, this aisle. And then I just said, I'm, all right, they've got to they've be back by the van. And it's a red van with yellow printing on it. And I'm like, it's got to be easy to find. I step out of the market. I don't see the van. I go down this street, that street, this street. Pretty soon, I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm lost in Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua. What's going to happen now? And I'm trying to figure out. So I walk up to this little street booth, and I said, um, uh, El Vacchio, El Vacchio, Rojos El Vacchio. And they're like, what? They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, where's the red van? That's what I'm trying to tell them in Spanish. And if you speak Spanish, you already see the mistake I'm making. And no one's getting it, so I'm working my way. I get, get back to the market, and I'm walking around the market going, Ah, Rosa Vacchio. And people are like, what? Finally, some lady grabbed my arm. She goes, El Vacchio? I go, see, see. She she follows me and we go through the market. We turn this corner and we walk up to this booth. And it's a bunch of like old vacuum cleaners that are being remodeled and fixed up. (laughs) Because in my panic, in my panic, I'm thinking van, V, van, Vacchio. Forgot that Spanish for vacuum is Vacchio. So I'm walking around asking everybody, I need help to find my vacuum. Please help me get back to my vacuum. Instead of, you know, el camioneta, el camioneta, camioneta is van, which I don't know why camioneta means van, but it does. So I'm like standing there going, I don't know what to do, and all of a sudden I heard this, Scott, I turn around and there's my translator. I had never been so grateful to see somebody in my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're here. You're here. Can you help me? I'm like, he's like, well, yeah, I can help you. First of all, you didn't get here on a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but in that present moment, my whole mind had just gone blank on all the Spanish I thought I knew. I thought I was good at Spanish. I could get my way out of a situation. And I found out I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was El Vacchio was a vacuum. And my translator, we got out of there, we had a good laugh about it, but it reminds me that oftentimes in life, we think we know more than we do, and we get in these situations, I'm telling you, what you know disappears. And that can even be your trust and faith and knowledge of God. 
The enemy have a, has a way of taking that away from you and leaving you with lies and fears, and the truth is gone. And I've been sitting in a pile of lies and fears before, and they're overwhelming. And thank God for the Holy Spirit who comes in and says, thunderclap, listen to me. Look at Ephesians 2, different verses, different chapters. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, a translator, who can, we can go to at any time. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. His eternal purpose from the day he created us was to be accessible by us, with him. That was his purpose in creating us. Accessibility, relationship, help. Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Heart for God equals heart of the spirit. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. God gives us a helper because he wants to help us. The Holy Spirit is our translator, our guide, our coach to keep us on the path of present, to remind us that the present provides time for God to be active in our current life and endeavors. The present up to here provides time for God to be active in our current life and endeavors, showing you I'm here to help you. But we don't stop at the present. Up here also means the future. The words also point forward. Then there is this awakening of Jesus' likeness, thrones, and harps, and eternity. We're not on this earth forever. There's an eternity with Jesus, and there's a future with Jesus, and even our future on earth, he promises to help us. Remember, as Israel was getting their house in order, the Philistines decided to attack. I promise you this. If you're in a point in your life where you're trying to get your life together or get your spiritual walk together or whatever it is you're trying to get together, the enemy will attack. They may let you start to have a little bit of success, start celebrating, just feel like you're getting there, and then boom, they're there. They're on the horizon. You see the enemy. The enemy is going to come after you like a roaring lion, the scripture says. And as Israel was doing this, they got afraid of the Philistines. And they went to Samuel and they said, help us, pray to God. Israel had a right to be fearful of the Philistines. They were their number one antagonist in the Old Testament. It's like Ohio State to Michigan. Terrible antagonist. They just do not like each other. It's like Oregon to Washington. Not Washington State. That's like a friendly rivalry. Oregon and Washington is like antagonist. But the Philistines had a deep, deep, brutal, dark history with the Philistines enslaving them and killing them and attacking them. They had a right to be fearful. So what I want to ask you today is, as you look to the future and struggle to get your trust in God, who are the Philistines in your life? What are the fears and traumas and hurts and lies that pop up the minute you start to have success and move forward in your help with God? Who are the Philistines that pop up on your horizon? Who are the ones that cause you to be trepidation and fearful and afraid? Because we all have them. But in that moment, notice Israel did at least one thing right. They ran, to, they ran to Samuel to seek God's help. That was the method back then in the Old Testament, through the priest, God. But for us, we can run straight to God. 
We don't need a Samuel. We don't need a priest. We have God access straight to the Father. So when the Philistines come up in your life, know that God is there for you to move forward in your future. Hebrews 13 says this, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is our helper. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. I remember when my son Zach was getting ready to go out to college. And school has always been hard for Zach. And he knows that. He knows I'd say that. And he had made this plan to join the Montana National Guard, go to training, get to Montana, enroll in MSU, and they would pay for school for him to go to MSU. It was the only way he could afford to go there to become an architect. And we did all the paperwork. He passed all the tests, all the exams. And literally, we we're like celebrating. And two days later, he calls me and says, Dad, I, I, I can't be in the guard. I'm like, what? He goes, I can't be in the guard. Apparently, on the form, he had filled out that he had had an inhaler in high school, never used it because he had childhood asthma, but in high school sports in Washington, if you had asthma as a child, you have to have an inhaler on the sidelines just for liability purposes. So when he disclosed that to the National Guard in Montana, they go, that's fine, you don't use it anymore, you've outgrown it. But when it hit the federal office in D.C., he got disqualified. See, the enemy pops up. My son's not a crier. But when I walked into the house and he came down that hallway just crying, I'm like, this kid's just devastated. He's like, there goes my hope. I'm not going to college. I said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to pray because God has a future for you. God has a future for you, Zach. And it's not sitting in the hallway in your own bedroom in this house. And so we prayed and God opened doors and things came through and he made it work and he's on a journey getting his architect degree. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. I looked at my son the day he was packing up to drive to Montana, and I said, go show the world everything I believe about you. And when we look at our future, and it may seem overwhelming to us, we may have fears, we may have experiences and past things in our life that prevent us from believing God's really going to be there for us in the future. He wants to come up the next to you and says, I am the rock. I am the stone of help. You're going to move forward and show everybody exactly what I believe about you. Because I believe in you enough to send my son to give you Holy Spirit to be your helper. He does not want us to rely on our own resolutions. The future provides opportunities for placing faith in God and trusting his promise, I am here to help. I am here to help. There's only one resolution that matters today, folks, and that is God. Have you given your heart and life to God? Have you walked away from God and need to return to God? That's the only thing that matters. Ebenezer, the stone of help, says, up to here the Lord has helped us. The message Samuel wanted the Israelites to remember was that God has always been with them to this point, is with them now, and will continue to be with them in the future. We serve a God, as we just sang today, a God who fights for us. 
a God who goes to battle for us. But Israel had to clean up their practices. They had to get their hearts right. They had to rely not on their own practices and self-reliances. They had to get back to a heart of, I want to rely on God and his promises. Human practices are good. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. But absent of God's promises, failure rate is high. I started off talking about resolutions. And in this research, they found out that only 9%, it's interesting they say Americans on this. I don't know why they did that. But 9% of us make resolutions that we complete. 9% only complete the resolutions. 23% of people quit in the first week, and 45% quit by the end of January for all sorts of reasons. But my hope today as we head into the New Year is that we be sure our first resolution is to draw near to God and have him draw near to us. James says this in James chapter 4, submit yourselves then to God. What's the first thing? Submit to God. Now watch this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to resist. You're going to have to go across that valley into Shin and battle the Philistines. Pray, submit, but go to war. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. See, God never left the Israelites. They left him. God doesn't depart us. We depart him. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. He will be here for you. He will be your helper. The secret is it's not about me. It's about God. His strength, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. His spirit that dwells on us is crying out for us to say, remember Ebenezer, the stone of help. God is with us. He's our helper. Samuel took a stone. The praise band can come on up and sing. Ebenezer took a, Samuel took a stone called Ebenezer and put it between two cities. As a reminder for Israel to remember, up to here the Lord has helped us. Up to here God has been faithful. Up to here it's called to the past, the present, and the future, that God will continue to be with us. As you reflect on this next year coming up, as you reflect on your present situations, as you reflect on your future, my question is this. Are you with God? Are you relying on God? Because he is here to help us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your message. God, I pray that we remember that you give us all sorts of abilities and gifts and talents and just this fortitude, God, in our heart and soul to serve you. But we can't do that without a submission and a love for you, God. As we learn from Israel and Samuel that the stone of help is right there in front of us, God. May it serve us as a reminder that in our needs, in our moments, we are constantly coming to you, God. May our next year, God, be about you coming near to you so that you will draw near to us. May we do well about surrendering our lives to you and resisting the enemy in your name, God. Go before us today. Honor us, help us, because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.